Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 6 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to go say Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J, and with me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you? I'm great. Great. Uh, I sounded like Tony the Tiger just there, but I am, in fact, great. Well, so is he. Today we are watching episode 6. <laughs> Episode 6 is titled Wind Cut Through Them. But before we get into that, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What yeah, there are. is your first star of the week? Okay, my first star of the week, and I recognize to any of our listeners that are involved in this that I am super late to this party, as evidenced by the fact that there's like an entire wiki about this thing. But I just picked up Terraria, and it is fantastic. If you're not playing it, you should be playing it. It's like 2D Minecraft, but with like a lot more RPG elements. I'm like, I'm like mining stuff. I'm down in the underworld. I'm like finding ores and creating things. I'm like combining stuff into other stuff. It, it hits a lot of buttons for me. It's, it's really, really good. Dude, Dave, I, I tell you, you had been telling me about Terraria for a while and I had been putting it off and then I got it. And that is basically what I did this weekend. Dude, my wife and I, we played Terraria, I think, I'm not joking, and we've never done this before. I mean, I've done it, like, solo, but we have never done this together. We played Terraria, I think, for 15 or 16 hours over the course of Saturday and Sunday. Like, we just sat down and just just plowed through it. It was fantastic. Are you playing it on console or on PC? I am playing it on console. Oh, that's a shame, because I I do not have that same console. I know, I'm a peasant. Um, I just, you know, man, I, I got enough in my life. I don't know really about computers. And I, I just play on the console. Like, I just hit the button and it goes. Oh, no, dude. I mean, honestly, I'm usually a console player. But I, I recently have a uh, new secondhand laptop, which can handle these sort of things, which actually leads us into our second star. But I'm not going to get there yet. That's a teaser. First, okay. I want to keep talking about Terraria. Dave, Yeah, I got yeah. molten armor. Okay. I just uh, found a meteorite crash site. Nice. So I harvested a ton of meteorite. And I've made like meteor guns. Guns not only made out of meteorites, but that shoot stars. Have you made Have you made a phase blade yet? I have not made a phase blade yet. Yeah, you can make a phase blade. Is that? It's a lightsaber. Okay, that's amazing. No, but I did make a star cannon. And uh, Okay, guys, I you- haven't made that. If you haven't played Terraria yet, I'm really sorry because these all sound like nonsense words. But Yeah, it's complete madness. Just stick with us for a second. We're going to get back to Star 2. The Star Cannon, you buy or find a mini shark, which is like a machine gun, basically. I No, I've seen it. I have, I've never found one, and they're crazy expensive. They're like they 35 are, gold. They're like really expensive, but I dropped the gold on it because I basically don't buy anything. And so I bought this thing. You strap a bunch of like fallen stars and meteorites to, meteorite to it, and it becomes a gun that shoots stars at people. Stars are the ammunition to this gun. What, can you buy that? Can you just the ones that you find? Just the, I guess? just the shooting stars that fall from the sky. You can put them in this gun and shoot it at people. It does like it's a fifty-five damage weapon. 
wow. pre-hard mode. It is amazing. Dude, you know the other great thing about Terraria is that on we have may have mentioned before, listeners, that uh, my brother and I and some good friends of ours from college, including Mark, who is the editor of this show, have a daily list serve that we kind of just hang out and chat back and forth in slow moments at work. And we all play video games, but for the most part, not for the most part, really. But like we, we have kind of different tastes in video games. So like maybe two or three people will like one game, and then like two or three people will like another game. But everybody, I, we introduced Terraria to the listserv. Everybody got it, and everybody has been losing their minds over this game. So, uh, so seriously. So I guess welcome to our Terraria podcast. Yeah, this new is podcast. the Terraria brothers. Got Terraria. If you want to sponsor this show, we will talk about you every week. We will talk about Terraria every week. We might talk about you every week anyway, but... Yeah, that uh, might just happen. I would be a lot more excited about it if we were brought to you by the good people of Terraria. <laughs> the good people who make Terraria. Okay, so... Terraria, bringing friends together. <laughs> so, so as I mentioned, Star 2, the source of the laptop I'm recording on right now, and also the laptop that I've been binging on Terraria, Mark. We've mentioned him once or twice. Mark is the editor of the show. He produces it. He makes it sound so, so sweet. Yeah. He is, I think, Mark... It, okay, if we were not the ones who were actually recording the show, I would say that Mark is fully more important to the show than we I are. I feel like we, you and I, together are half the show, and he is the other half. The, yeah, I think that's a very reasonable way to say it. Mark is... And speaking of, I am recording this... On a mic that Mark got me, listening to headphones on it that Mark got oh, me. Oh, I am too. Now, yeah, no, we both. You are. guys might notice how much better it, we sound this said, week. Yeah, and you, I think, I've already said, are recording on a computer that Mark got you. You might be asking yourself, how does Mark acquire these things? The answer, I don't know. Uh, if I did not know Mark to be a stand-up guy, I would almost have to assume that these things come off like the back of trucks. Because he, he was, I was gonna give him some money. He said, hey, I have this mic and these headphones for you. You should have them. And I said, oh, well, let me, you know, I'll pay you back for them. Cause I'm also invested in, in all of this stuff and I want this to be good. And he says, what? You'll just give me like the $4? And I was like, it was $4. I don't know how he does it. Um, he goes to explain sort of. And as far as I can tell, there are like internet, there are like deep, nothing. This is all completely legal. I don't want to make it sound in any way as though something shady is happening here. He just, I, I don't know how he does it. He just finds a guy I feel, who like wants to trade. I feel like Dave, something. Dave, I feel like this is the internet equivalent of like a goblin market. Yeah. Like I he think just knows the closest way to say He just it. knows like which weird internet back alley <laughs> to go down. And someone says, oh yeah, I have these like pretty good quality podcasting microphones. Uh, I will trade them. For a like on Facebook. Right. Right. Did he also get you like a Wii U or something? He got you a Wii U and he gave my wife a Nintendo DS. And his his rationale for giving her the DS, aside from just the fact that he's like a wonderful, generous human being, was like, oh yeah, I just have them sitting around. Just in piles. <laughs> right. Just in piles. Because he just... He just gets them somehow. I don't, I don't know how he does it. Okay. That is, uh, Mark, you're a wonderful listener is really, we couldn't do it without him. So every episode going forward, just realize that there is someone else in the background making all this happen. Right. But moving on from that to our third star, 
Third Dave, star. Our third star of the week is that I got a new job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is super fantastic, man. Uh, I started it today. Um, it is, I'm working in an archive, which is sort of what I do in my uh, daily life. In your non-Die Ranger-centered existence? Which is the, ultimately the darker and weaker of my existences. But yes, that is what I do uh, during the daylight hours. <laughs> right. Uh, and I started today. I put on a tie. I went downtown. I took the train. Okay, dude. Let me just say this. I have worked in jobs where I did not have to wear a tie. And I know that there are people out there like, I can't wear ties. It's like a new slowly strangling me. I feel so much better about going to work wearing a tie. Oh, dude, it's great. Yeah. Like, I worked in an office once where they were just like, wear whatever you want. Just like, don't come in naked. So I just, I did. I wore, like, sandals and flip-flops and t-shirts to work and you every do day. not feel like it you're at work. It was awful. It was awful. Did not feel like I was at work. That's precisely it. Now, like, when I go to work, like, I dress for work. I do wear jeans. Like I said, I am a I am a teacher. I wear jeans pretty frequently, but like not all the time. But like always a collared shirt, always a tie. Almost always I wear a uh, a vest and I actually have a pocket watch because I'm a giant nerd. And also because I like to know what time it is and I don't like to have things on my wrist. But it's it's great because I come home and then I'm done with work and I and I change. Like I wear a tie to work if you can. Plus, it classes up the joint. I mean, listen, this where where I work, and I'm not going to go into any details, but because uh, frankly, it's that it's not very interesting. But where I work, a lot of people wear ties. There's uh, there's a lot of people walking around with like capital C careers in like suits and ties. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, and it's a real change of pace. Oh yeah, I can imagine based on your like. You know, based on the last place that I know you worked, it was very sort of artsy and people were just sort of like chilling oh, out. Oh, dude, yeah. I I didn't wear sandals to work, but that's just because I don't wear sandals a lot. Right. Which I don't. I mean, whatever. That's neither here nor there, I guess. Uh, okay, so that is the third star of the week. Dave, do you have a fourth star third of the week? Third star. You know what? I normally try to have one, man, but I have been so... We just were, I'm just back to school, as you know, and I am... Just astonishingly swamped. Oh, I believe you. Um, so it's it's pretty much been school and terraria. Hey, those are not bad things to have. Luckily, I I actually it's been a busy couple of weeks for me. I have two things, and they're both TV shows, so I can take stars four and five. So the fourth star of the week is going deep with David Reese. Okay, have, I I haven't heard. Oh, of dude, Dave, you've got Hulu Plus, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a civilized human being. Of course you are. Right, so of course. I have, I have Hulu Plus, Netflix, and Amazon Prime. So, again, listen, I'm uh, Hulu Plus, if, if you want to, if you want to sponsor us, I'm, I'm about Hulu Plus, Amazon Prime, Netflix, any, I would, we would take any sponsors. Is I there, think. I, there is probably a point to which I do not want to sell myself out. But uh, I'm not exactly sure what that point is. So just let us know. What? I, I'm, I'm, what? I'm, Are you? That's the whole point. Is that is that not the whole point of doing anything? <laughs> is to eventually sell it out? Like, like I cannot think of anything that I have done in my life aside from like get married that I would not sell out. <laughs> There's nothing. I would sell anything. 
Live and Let Die Ranger, brought to you by the good people of Target. <laughs> right, I don't care. <laughs> right, if Target was just like, here's $1,000 a month, all you have to say is brought to you by Target. Like Carl's Jr., like from Idiocracy, brought to you by Carl's Jr. If after everything we said, we just said brought to you by Target, and they got us a check for $1,000 a month, I would absolutely do it. Welcome back to Live and Let Die Ranger, brought to you by Carl's Jr., uh, the fourth star of the money. week is going deep with David Reese on the National Geographic channel, which I saw on Hulu Plus on my Nintendo Wii U. That is four things one of you can pay me. Just one of you. Please. Just any <laughs> one of you. I don't care which. I've got all sorts You've of all stuff got the that money. I love that I will talk about I'm on this show. I'm not that expensive. <laughs> right. This is not, this is not a high rent operation. All right, so anyway, so this show, Going Deep. Going Deep with David Reese. Uh, if you don't know who David Reese is, David Reese is the guy who wrote a book about how to sharpen pencils. What, like, aside from just use a sharpener? Oh, dude. Uh, David Reese was, for a couple of years, and this is not a joke, an artisanal pencil sharpener. So so he would just, like, for hire? Like, he people just would did this? Send, or people he would... would mail him pencils, and he would sharpen them. Because he wrote this book about how to sharpen a pencil. And he's like a, it was like a humor book that was also legitimately about how to sharpen a pencil. Like, in the absolute I, best way possible. I just, I... So what he I'm does... Bit, I'm not even sure where this is no, going. Just follow me on this. Because right. what he does is that he is the guy who will find a thing that you think you know how to do, and he will actually tell you the best way to do it. So there are like 10 episodes of this show. I've only watched the first two episodes. The first episode is making an ice cube. Okay. okay. You know how to make an ice cube. You know we what? I'll do. I, I think I see where you're going with the show. And this sounds like exactly the sort of thing that I oh, love dude, to watch. It's the best. Because, like, he goes and talks to somebody who works in a lab that does, like, deep core ice samples. He talks to a dude okay. that does ice sculptures. And by the end of the episode, he has figured out how to make the best ice cubes out of, like, things you can make in your home. Like, the best way to freeze them, the best way to cut them, the best way to do everything. And there are these beautiful, like, magazine-quality ice cubes. Um, Like, I, I know that we're doing this show right now and that you can't immediately just go watch it. But as soon as we're done, okay. if you don't have anything else to do tonight, go watch Going Deep. I'm playing Terraria. Well, you can't do both at the same time because I know you're playing it on your Xbox, well, and that's also how you watch your Hulu Plus. Right. Again, Microsoft, Hulu Plus. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Anyone? <laughs> really? Dude, speaking of, can you believe how much Microsoft paid for Mojang? I can't believe it, actually. Was it uh, 2.5 billion? billion. 2.5 billion. That's a B with a 2.5 billion um, dollars. I, I actually can't believe it. I thought I would be able to believe it, and then I heard the amount, and I could not believe it. I'm still not believing right. it. Right! 2.5, I don't even have, like, a frame of... You know, like, some money, like, you have a frame of reference for? You know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, okay, I, I can conceive I know how much $1,000 is. That's about as high as I go. Right. Like, I know how much $1,000 is. Like, I've got a very good conception of that. I even have, like, a fairly strong conception of how much money, say, like... Like 10, 20, I would say even up to like, 
I would even say up to like two hundred thousand dollars because like I'm a like I'm a grown up like I have like student debt. Yeah, I mean I I, I like how I equate that automatically. My concept with of being a grown how up. How much money exists in the world only goes goes as high as my student loans. Right. Yeah. That's that. Well, I also have a mortgage, but like I have a I have like a frame of reference for how much money that is. I could even. I could even at a stretch possibly conceive of how much money like a million dollars is in in like real terms and aside from something that's like just a number but like 2.5 billion dollars billion dollars I just I can't even like I can't even wrap my head around that much money like it's just it's, madness. it's like imaginary it's absolute money. madness it's yeah it is it's draft money draft money I don't Matt have we talked about I don't draft think money we've talked about draft money yet? Okay, this is not a concept that is original to me. This is Steve Harvey. I stole, I without, I stole this from Steve Harvey. Although I do, it was like a throwaway line for him. I do feel like I'm doing my part to popularize it. This was it. like, so I'm, you can use. Let me know if I'm remembering this correctly. But this was on an episode of Conan, back when yeah. Conan was doing the Late Show, like what a decade ago. Yeah, this is year. I've been using this phrase for years and years and years. If you listen to this, this will be like a secret code. So if you are a listener of the show, try to work draft money into your conversation and then we'll know each other. So anyway, so here's what draft money is. Steve Harvey is talking to Conan and Conan says, oh, you're friends with Michael Jackson. This is, of course, before Michael Jackson died. He says, oh, you're friends with Michael Jackson. What's it like to be friends with Michael Jackson? And Steve Harvey says, dude, it's so crazy. You don't even know that guy has draft money. And Conan says, I don't. That doesn't make any sense to me. And Steve Harvey says, okay, listen, this dude has so much money that he has a draft. And here's what you need to understand. And I'm not doing a Steve Harvey impersonation. I'm just, I'm just talking. Anyways, so he says, here's what you need to understand. If you own a draft, not only do you have enough money to buy a draft, you are a dude who is so rich that like you know where to go if you want to buy a draft. Like, even if I personally had the money to buy a draft, like, I wouldn't know where to right, start. Like, I, the, the, you see what I'm saying? There are two places I would go. I would either call a zoo, or I would, like, try to call a safari somewhere. See, this is the thing, is you don't know, because you don't have draft money. Speaking of Dude, draft I barely money, have I did look up money. this David Reese guy. $40. $40 to sharpen his pencil. Your pencil. For him. That includes the pencil. Yeah, that makes about sense. Dude, he's a, he is a pencil sharpening professional, artisanal, artisanal. Yeah, apparently. So there is the fourth star of the week. Okay, <laughs> fourth star. I, I do not even know how we got from David Reese's going deep to giraffe money on Conan <laughs> like fifteen years ago. Like a decade ago. All right, so Matt, fifth star. Fifth star of the week is guys. This is relevant to your interests. If you are listening to the show then you are interested in the Super Sentai series. And I have been watching a new one. Not a new one, an old one. A very old one. Almost the oldest one. Uh, the fifth year of Super Sentai was a show called Sun Vulcan. Dave, do you know anything about Sun Vulcan? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. It's, uh, it's amazing. There are three dudes. They are uh, Eagle, Shark, and Panther. Uh, I'm already invested. Keep <laughs> they going. They are like special agents of the government. They drive around in a car that says Sun Vulcan on it. 
Um, and is it is it known that Sun Vulcan is like a secret agency of the oh, government? Yeah. Dude, people are not surprised okay, so to see just, Sun Vulcan. Okay, uh, and so awesome. they show up to a problem. Um, they transform. They're all wearing scarves because this is back in the period where like Super Sentai was very influenced by Common Rider. Okay, we, we've talked about Common Rider, right? Yeah, briefly. Like bug mask, same bug guy. mask, I gotcha. dirt bike, wears a scarf. Common Rider. Right. Anyway, so back in the early days of Super Sentai, they also all wore scarves. Uh, it's like wearing a cape, but a little more, you know, flashy. Anyway, so the first episode of Sun Vulcan starts up, and the way that it starts is that they are being attacked by a group called the Black Magma. And Black Magma is run by the Fuhrer of Black Magma, whose name is Hell Saturn. No, wait, maybe it's Saturn Hell. I I watched this late, late the other day. It's either Saturn Hell or Hell Saturn, and he is the Fuhrer of the Black Magma Machine Empire that is run out of Antarctica, <laughs> and their entire deal is, like, having android-like sexy Japanese ladies who are their army to destroy the world. And they have a bunch of monsters that are, like, the bio-machines that are... Are like half animal, half machine. Um, okay. And oh gosh, dude, it's oh, man. We we have to watch some Sun Vulcan. We just have to. I don't know if it's going to be the next show that we watch. I don't know if we're going to do Under the Tuscan Sun Vulcan after we're done with Live and Let Die Ranger. But <laughs> dude, that's a great title already. But we we absolutely, even if we never do it for a real show, maybe we just do a special episode. We have. Got like we to just talk need to Sun watch. Vulcan. Yeah, no, this sounds amazing. Okay, uh, so the five stars has been going for a lot longer than it normally does. So we're gonna stop right now. We are gonna take a pause. We are going to watch episode six of Live and Let Die Ranger. Now, if you don't remember what was happening, this was a cliffhanger episode. They were fighting the uh, lipstick songstress. We are going to take a quick break. We are going to watch the episode, and we will be back with you in just a moment. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode six of Die Ranger. Dave, why don't we start off with a quick synopsis of the episode? Yeah, certainly. This is, it's a great episode. We're really excited. There's a lot of cool things that are happening. A lot of cool things. So this episode, we open up on Rin. She's in the desert, as we saw from last episode. As they foreshadowed pretty heavily in the last episode, they do run into the last of the four Kaiden beasts. We see them do some of their cool stuff, not all of it, and then they defeat the Lipstick Songstress. That's pretty much the long and short of the episode. Okay, so let's hit back with uh, scene one. So when we start off this episode, Rin is wandering through the desert, as you said. <laughs> right. All alone, having teleported there after fighting the Lipstick Songstress at the end of last episode. Now, I just want everyone to take a moment to let that sink in. Rin has magically teleported from one country to a different country in the middle of the wilderness. Keep that in mind yeah. as we go forward, because that Not... is an important thing to remember. 
Yeah, not a tiny country either. No, she has teleported into some segment of one of the largest countries in the world. Sorry, Matt, I just, I dodged away for a second here because I'm looking up how large the actual Gobi Desert is. And Dave, how big is it? The Gobi Desert, Matt, is 500,002 square miles. So let me, let me get a real quick sense of this from you because I'm not looking at the map and I'm not really good with geography. Um, Okay. If, for example, a person, let's say a one of these characters, Rin, uh, teleports from the middle of Japan to somewhere in China, even if they knew she was in the desert, how many countries could fit inside the size of the random space that she may or may not be in? Um, I don't know. Good, like real, like real countries, yeah, like American-style like, countries, or like fake-out countries, like Luxembourg. Uh, is somewhere Luxembourg's in between. Country, right? Like, is it bigger than France? Okay, let me let me throw this out for you because I'm going to assume that most of our listeners are. I I have no idea about Luxembourg. I'm sure Luxembourg is a wonderful place. That just, I'm sorry. I like to tell like humorously jingoistic jokes. So, as a heads up. For our more American-based audience, that's about twice the size of Texas. Okay, so twice double the Texas, size of Texas is the Gobi Desert, which is the second largest state in the union. Now Texas is bigger than, well, I mean anything but Alaska, according to yes, that is people in America, that is correct. and bigger than anything in the world, according to people in Texas. Right. I was like, every time I talk about Texas, I like to point out that it is the second largest state in the union, just because I know it makes Texans super angry. Oh, they are so mad about it. They are. Although, actually, have you ever been to Texas? I've never been to Texas. Texas is a fantastic... Okay, I haven't been to the whole of Texas. I've been to Austin, because we do have some family that lives there. And Austin is a fantastic town. I've never heard any good things about Austin. Yeah, I would also accept being sponsored by the city of Austin. Fun things about Austin. First of all, fantastic food. Second of all, people wear cowboy hats and cowboy boots, and it is not ironic. Like, it is just a thing. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Like, I just, I got, because, you know, because we don't live in Texas, as I may have betrayed, but we don't live in Texas. And so when you see somebody walking around where we live in cowboy boots and cowboy hats, it is, like, it's almost always a joke in some way. Not even a good joke. Yeah, like a bad, awful hipster joke. But like you go to Texas and there's just a dude and he's just wearing a cowboy hat and cowboy boots and like a giant belt buckle. And it's not like a costume. That is just what he wore that day. And it sounds like I'm making fun of him and I'm not. I think it's absolutely fantastic. No, that guy is living in his best of all possible worlds. Right. It fills me with like childlike delight and wonder that this dude is just like, yep, cowboy hat. And that's just his hat for the day. Okay, so that guy is living in his best of all possible worlds. That best of all possible worlds is Texas. If you double that, that is about the size of the Gobi Desert, and that is roughly where we think Rin is in the beginning of this episode. <laughs> not Remember sure. that, because, because that is going to be so important. Because I would like to, and I will also tell you, that this is not the only desert in China. <laughs> Like, there's there's more. They could be in a different enormous desert, okay? Okay. But it is very significant. Okay, so we just have Rin wandering it by her lonesome in this enormous desert. And then she sort of, like, spaces out, I think. But she sees some sort of vision of, like, a, a galaxy 
or something, some sort of weird energy. I'm not totally sure. Well, Dave, I'll tell you what those are. It's I don't know if you okay. remember from the beginning of the episode, but shining in the heavens, there are five stars. <laughs> okay, I feel a little bit silly. And now. and and she sees five stars shining. So we can only assume that what she sees is the heavens. Yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. My only comfort in in making that boneheaded statement that I just did is that it still takes the Rangers a whole lot longer to figure what I was what it is going on. Oh yeah, I mean we have seen the episodes. They theoretically should have this like deeply ingrained in their souls. We are they we are say way it ahead of every them. episode. Shining in the heavens, there are five tar- stars. You would think that they would know this by now. Like, if I were them, I think every time anything, five anything came up, like, I'd be like, is this significant? There's five of those pigeons sitting on a bench. Maybe it's, like, relevant to us somehow. Yeah, not even stars, not even heavens. If there are five anythings, you just like, oh, there are five of us, there are five of them. Is one of them vaguely blue? Then we're good to go. Right. Or anything that involves any. Are there stars? Are there stars involved? Even if it's not five stars. If it's any number of stars, I'm interested. Are there five of anything? Doesn't matter what. I'm there. Are there three stars? Are we going to a three Michelin star restaurant? Then perhaps this is important to our cause. <laughs> that is actually going to go into a three star Michelin restaurant is one of the uh, is one of my like goals. In, like it's on my bucket list. So shining you know in your I mean? heavens, there are three stars. They are all Michelin stars, right? They are all Michelin stars. Okay. <laughs> so aside from my, uh, I would I was about to say culinary aspirations. They're not really. They're like gustatory aspirations. So, but Rin finally she figures out what's going on. She she sees them and she has this like moment of clarity. She's like, oh, oh, right, the the kaiden beasts this is what's going on she finally figures it out and then she manages to summon these five orbs to herself yes okay i just matt i okay i just have to say this go for it we're gonna we're gonna say orbs because we're we're sort of adults we're gentlemen we're gentlemen right but in the sub, they do just call them, because it's the Tenpo, what is it, Matt? Tenpo Rai Rai? The Tenpo Rai Rai Balls. Right. They're the Tenpo Rai Rai Balls. And they are, they are like the connection, the physical manifestation of the connection that the Rangers have with their Kaiden Beasts. They can use them to like control them and whatever. But throughout the course of the show, they don't call them Tenpo Rai Rai Balls every time because that's a mouthful. And they just say balls. And we're not going to make any of those jokes. But <laughs> just be aware that we know just that be they're aware. there. We know that those jokes exist, and we are choosing not to make them because, in a rare moment of maturity, <laughs> we are not going to to pluck that low hanging fruit. But they're there, and you can make them on your own if you want to. Okay, so she summons the five orbs, Wait, Matt. Yeah, sorry, Matt. I got to just okay. jump in with one last thing. So. You and I used to juggle a lot. Sure. And I, I also used to juggle with a very good friend of mine named Greg. And I just, this was something that we would run into a lot because you don't want to say, like, you just, okay, because I started juggling when I was in junior high, right? And so you have to get around, just, you have to get around saying balls all the Listen, time. Listen, when you're in junior high, balls is the best or worst thing to say depending on context. 
<laughs> right, right. So, anyways, so we had uh, spherical juggling implements, and I think we, we could have used orbs or spheres, but it was spherical juggling implements, and that was our our cold code word. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So back. So Rin summons these orbs to herself. Okay. Right. So she summons the five Tenpo Rire spherical juggling implements. And uh, and so we cut to a different part of the desert. Now, this is fun. Okay, remember, double the size of Texas. Double the size of Texas, the Gobi Desert is. Okay, so in the desert, there is a jeep. In that jeep are the four other Dire Rangers. Ryu, Kazu, Shoji, Daigo, driving through the desert in a jeep. Just driving... <laughs> Through Just the desert, nowhere. they don't have a radar. They don't no. have a map. There's no Nothing. explanation as to how they got from Japan to the middle of the Gobi Desert in a jeep in the same amount of time that it took Rin to magically teleport that same distance. They're just there. And if you're wondering if they ever go back and say. Oh, yeah, like, Kazu had some <laughs> cash saved up, and so he decided to charter a boat. No, never happens, no. never once. They are in China, Nothing. they're in a jeep, they're in the desert, they are about ten minutes away from Ren, and you just need to live with that. <laughs> There's absolutely... Again, I think this is this is one of the consistent delays of Die Ranger, is that things just happen, and there is zero explanation ever like nobody ever talks and says like oh yeah this is happening because of this thing unless it's something for which you absolutely without question do not require any explanation so we see so we see the other four die rangers they're just driving through the desert aimlessly hoping to bump into rin because presumably <laughs> kazu has told them that if they go desert. to rin if they go to china they're gonna have a decent chance of running into her <laughs> this guy's just wandering through 500 square miles. No, it wasn't. Was it 500? No. I'm sorry. It was... It's not 500. It's... I keep saying that's wrong. It's 500,000. Sorry. Okay. I keep saying that's, 500. That's a- it's 500,000 square miles. <laughs> <laughs> just like... Just... They don't even have like a... They don't have like a telescope... Or they have nothing. No point. Not like they say glass. that they are like zeroing in on her aura changer. Right. It would have none of that. Like, a two second line. It would have required nothing for them to just be like, "Oh yeah, aura changers totally have this homing function." Nothing. Just wandering through the desert and getting just impossibly lucky. And so, speaking of Rin, we cut to Rin. Now, Rin is being attacked by the Lipstick Songstress, who, right, has not wandered to find her, has teleported to find her. She knows where she is, somehow. Yeah. Yeah, They the go and the Goba Commanders are there, too. They know exactly what's happening. Oh, yeah, Shadam, Zydos. Oh, wait, 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 Matt. Yeah. We missed, we missed a brief thing in my notes. I want to jump back. It was it was a minor thing, but it was pretty amazing. So, okay, first of all, Kazu still in a suit. Just want to point that out. Absolutely, Kazu middle of the desert in a jeep in a suit. Kazu's classy all day every day. Right, classy all day every day. It's actually the best thing about Kazu, frankly. So, anyway, second thing is this: they're driving through the desert, and balloons appear. 
nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Right. Balloons appear out of nowhere. And the Rangers don't question this. Well, they really don't. They don't, they don't have time to. Because the balloons appear, and then they <laughs> turn into the Kotoro Potoro, who then subsequently attack the Rangers on their jeep. But what doesn't make any sense? Why balloons? Yeah, why didn't they pop out of the sand? Why didn't they fall out of the sky? Why didn't they teleport magically? No, there's none of that. What there, happens is that four balloons appear in their face, and then those five, four balloons, I'm sorry, those four balloons pop, and in those balloons place are four Kotoporopotoros and the Goma. Right. They could have been, they could have been disguised as a cactus. They could have been disguised as like a Gila monster or something. Something like that's balloons. in the desert. Right. Something, yeah, anything, anything. The desert is actually full of stuff. They could have been disguised as any one of those things that went with balloons. Okay. So the balloons show up. The balloons pop. The Kotoropotoros are there. They're attacking the Dire Rangers. In another location, they're attacking Rim. And, they are just, the next few minutes are just dedicated to a senseless desert fight. Dude, and the lipstick songstress is as cold as ice. Oh, she's willing to sacrifice her love. Yeah, <laughs> she, that's a good pull. Thank you. Um, hey man, everybody thank you loves for Night Ranger. Picking that up. So, Wait, is that Night Ranger? Dude, no, that's Foreigner. Right? Yeah, that's totally Foreigner. I, everybody loves I just it. said it's totally Foreigner. I'm fairly sure it's Foreigner. Anyways. So, dude, <laughs> lipstick songstress, except the Japanese, do not love foreigners. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the lipstick songstress, she is, okay, so she is, first of all, she's killing her own guys. Like, she is cutting apart, like, she is hitting Kotoropotoro to cut them out of the way on her way to Rin, because they're, like, not getting out of her way fast enough. Secondly... She says, she says a couple of things to Rim. The first is that she says, is it that she's going to rip apart her face? I think is she said she's she going to rip apart her face. She's still very upset about that cut on the cheek she got last episode. Right. Ripping apart her face, which I think is just a little extreme. And then second, and we don't, uh, you know, we, we try, we have a clean show here. And so I am quoting the lipstick songstress here. Which is also theoretically on a kid's show. Lipstick Songstress does say to Rin, you little bitch. And I was like, Lipstick Songstress, this is a children's program. You should not be using curse words. Dude, Lipstick Songstress does not care at all. Yeah, seriously. It's as she's though also... she does not know what show she's a part of. Right. She is also far and away the strongest enemy that the Die Rangers have fought so far. Oh, absolutely. Like, with, without question, she is really cleaning up in a pretty intense way. It's actually pretty close. It ends up, well, we'll get to that in a second. And actually, there's, there's, there's another group of people who we've failed to mention, uh, to this point who are attacking Rin, and those people are the Devil Chorus. Oh, yeah, the Devil Chorus. Now, the reason we haven't mentioned them is because in any scene that they appear in, they're not usually the most important person. But here's the thing with the Devil Chorus. The Devil Chorus is not made up of Kotopotoros. The Devil Chorus are just people 
Do you remember from the pre- previous episode where uh, it started off, Rin had that, like, not actual friend, but person who wanted to be her friend that got, like, captured and brainwashed and turned into, like, a pseudo-monster? Right, yeah. That person became part of the Devil Chorus, and the Devil Chorus just sits there and sings, and their singing, like, is this terrible attack that, like, shakes down buildings and destroys giant robots and tortures the Dire Rangers. It is a big deal, and, like, Rin's almost friend is part of that group. They all have the same color lipstick, it's a big deal, like, they are a problem. So when Rin is fighting uh, the Lipstick Songstress, it's not just the Lipstick Songstress that she's fighting. It's also the Devil Chorus. Okay, so we got the Devil Chorus, which is, again, sort of creepy friends with a weird lipstick. And then we do get another just gold line from the Lipstick Songstress. And what is it she says? How do you want your face cut up? How do you want your face cut, cut up? up? Yeah. Yeah, how do you want your face cut up? Like, that is some straight up, that's like some Hannibal Lecter style nonsense right there. Lipstick songstress. For a monster that her whole motif is just weird lipstick and creepy singing is brutal as all hell. Yeah, man. So she gets away and she finds herself in the temple that they had teleported to, or astrally projected rather, to previously. This was, you may recall, one of my low points of a previous episode that they were supposedly astrally projecting and then they were actually there and they managed to like wipe the dust off the pictures of the kaiden beasts but she finds the place she's back there so she goes she goes into the temple and she's like oh right the kaiden beasts they're they're there this is awesome and then she goes into another room and who does she see oh i'll tell you who she sees dave she sees Ruseo. that's right the giant dragon robot is not just summoned from the ether. He just hangs out in this cave waiting for them. <laughs> right, he's just chilling out. Which is kind of, okay. First of all, that means that Ryuseo is like crazy faster than we initially anticipated. Oh, the fact that he can just go from this random location in the middle of the Gobi Desert to anywhere in Japan in the course of about 30 seconds. Or maybe, maybe Ryusio himself can just teleport. I mean, that would also make sense. But Ryusio is just like chilling sense. out. Right. He does not, he doesn't exist in stasis. Like Ryusio is around all the time, even if you're not seeing him. I feel like we're, we're treading into some weird territory with Ryusio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, Ryusio was yeah, everywhere. You know, Ryusio yeah, was just... everything. Ryusio. 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 Dude, Hook was such a good Dude, movie. imagine Hook, except instead of Rufio, a giant mechanical dragon. <laughs> that would have been an even better movie. <laughs> like, Robin Williams, may he rest in peace, trying to, like, parentally bond with the giant robot dragon. <laughs> okay. I'm just seeing, now I'm seeing you say a lot like a skateboard going through that like totally rad like skateboard ramp maze the Rufio's on. Okay, so you say I was just taking out. All right. So Rin sees Ryuso. She's like, oh, Ryuso, you're alive. I'm so glad. Please come help us. We're having trouble. Right. Right. She's like really vague about it. She doesn't actually mention any of the specific things that are troubling them at that moment. But 
Ryusio does, he manages to sort of gather his strength and she ri- he rises up out of the yeah, ground. Because remember from the and lipstick episode, songstress, um, Ruccio had had a really bad time fighting the lipstick songstress. Oh yeah, like he lost, and so he's back here licking his wounds. And here comes Rin, needy again. <laughs> so uh, uh, Rin begs him off of his sick bed uh, to come help, while the rest of the Die Rangers are having a terrible time trying to fight the devil choir. Yeah. Are they... They're not aura changed at this... No, no, no. They are aura changed at this point. I have no recollection as to whether they're aura changed at this point. Okay. You know, that should not even be a question that we should need to ask. Anytime it's just like, and they're fighting someone, the answer should be, yes, they're aura changed. But the Die Rangers don't know what to do with superpowers. Because they just show up to the fight. They're like, let's just show up in our civvies, guys. Let's see how things go. You should know, Die Rangers. They go you know, poorly every time. You know, I think this is why the Die Rangers never got a full adaptation into the American show. is because so much of this show takes place outside of the suits. Like, so much of the show is them not aura change. And so the... That's a really so good the, point. I feel like, yeah, it would be hard to translate yeah, the amount over. of time that they spend in the suits is just not enough to make a full series out of. So even if the first season of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers hadn't been that popular, the fact that, like, half the time they're just, like, running around in a windbreaker kicking a monster in the face, <laughs> right. like, it makes it an impossible <laughs> it thing to work adapt. at all. <laughs> Again, Zyra Rangers just don't know what to do with superpowers. They're trying their best. So, I mean, they really are. <laughs> okay. So out comes Rin. She's riding on Ryusio. The, you know, the lipstick songstress attacks with like some sort of sonic blast. I also love that in this show, regardless of what method of attack is used, <laughs> the end result is that things explode. Like it doesn't matter. Like electrical attack, things explode. Sonic attack, things explode. Demon to basketball dunk, things are exploding. Just everybody explosions all the time. It's all rocket gun, man. (laughs) It is all rocket gun. It's it's all rocket gun. Okay. So, long story short, this fight does drag on for a little while. Long story short, Rin gets in, she gets the tempo rai rai balls, or she manages to like free them somehow from a cave in that the lipstick songstress had caused. They all get their Tenpo Rai Rai balls and use them to perform the Kaiden summon. And then we finally get to see all of the Kaiden beasts summoned at the same time. Yeah. Okay, I was really excited that we summoned all the beasts. I admit I was a tiny bit disappointed in the beasts themselves. Because Ryusei is so neat. He's like this like highly articulated puppet. Which I think it's a puppet. It, like, it seems pretty clear that that's what it is. But he's like this highly articulated puppet. And the rest of them are just sort of like, they're like dippy birds. Like not quite, you know what I I'm mean? Sorry, the like they're kind of stationary, just like the head is going up and down. Dippy birds. Dave, I, I have no idea what like, you're talking you know, about. It's like, it's like a toy from when back when before things were actually fun and people thought that like stupid things were toys. It, it's like, um, it's like a bird. 
Oh, you and... mean like the crummy ostrich head that like dips into yeah. like a little thing of water? It like dips into a bowl of water and it like, uh, that's fun somehow. I don't know, man. Like, this is back from the era when like ball and cup was considered <laughs> like a legitimate toy. And yo-yos with a so... technology. Yeah, okay. I know what you're talking about. Dippy birds are the worst. Yeah. So dippy birds, like they're kind of like dippy birds. Like they're just sort of there and like their heads go up and down, but that's kind of it. I was just I was just hoping for a little more, I guess is what no, I'm I No, I don't blame you. Okay, so but they all show up. Uh but they, they do all show up. The design is cool. Like if they were just statues, it was cool. Like they look neat. Particularly um particularly Daigo's. Like the lion thing. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but that thing looks oh, really sure. cool. Oh sure. The lion is the biggest of the other ones. It's cool looking. Like I don't want to take that away from it. The lion oh, is yeah, neat looking. I, I mean, they're all sort of neat looking and they all have their own particular powers. Like, you know, Shoji's thing shows up and he does this weird gravity thing that throws rocks around. Yeah, and Daigo does they I mean it looks like they just have like a supercharged version of their actual of their like regular power. Okay, while we're talking about this, Daigo does a supercharged version of his phantom illusion powers. And here's what happens. He summons a phantom version of the Goma commander Shadam. And Shadam, a giant Shadam, shows up to fight the lipstick songstress. And here's what he says. Let me get my notes out. Kiss my butt! And it is amazing. Seriously? I think I must have missed that part. He just shouts, kiss my butt, and attacks the lipstick songstress with like a giant sword. But he doesn't exist because he's just a shadow phantom thing. And even in giant form, Daigo's powers don't make any sense. (laughs) Right. Also, Kazu's power basically doesn't change. It just also seems to affect his Kaiden beast, like the one where he rewinds in time. And I just, I realized this about when we were watching this episode, is Kazu's power <laughs> basically relies for his usefulness on Kazu sucking the first time. Like, if Kazu did stuff right the first time around, he would not need his power. Yeah, but Kazu, you know, he's he's a laid-back guy. He wears a suit. He's chilling out. He isn't... Listen, he's not Daigo. Daigo wears, like motorcycle gloves all the time because he's ready to punch a dude in the face. Shoji is an actual boxer. Kazu is a hairdresser. Kazu, like, okay. I, I, I don't know why Kazu has super chi powers, but I'm sure he doesn't deserve them. <laughs> okay. And okay. So he saying is like, like time rewind powers to make things work at all. Just... Just to make the grade. You know what? I am disappointed. I just thought about this. I'm a little bit disappointed that because Shoji is actually a boxer, that we are not seeing more of his, like, you know, boxy training. Like, why aren't we getting, like, gravity punch as a special attack? That would be fantastic. Yeah, but I mean, if you think about it in that way, you would also then have to see Kazu's, like, time-shifting hairstyling powers, and nobody wants to watch that. Okay. That, also, why did they make him a boxer? Why didn't they just make him a practitioner of the kung fu that he uses as a die ranger? I'm not sure what kung fu he uses as a die ranger. I know they all use a different sort of kung fu. His might be boxing right. adjacent. Man, dude, I, I mean, I know there is, like, you know, like Chinese boxing. Like, I know that that is a thing. 
Uh, I also know that chess boxing is a thing, although it might not actually be a thing. There's just a movie called The Mystery of Chess Boxing, chess boxing and it's awesome. Wait, the movie of what? There's a movie called The Mystery... Did I say this wrong? There's a movie called The Mystery of Chess Boxing, and it's totally rad. And if you haven't seen it... I would assume you haven't seen it. I have you no know idea what you're talking about. about. But it's a great movie. It's just, you know, it's a kung fu movie. It came out in... And it's great. But what 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 is chess boxing? I don't really remember. It's basically just punches, as far as I can tell. But it sounds rad. Like the mystery of chess boxing. That's fantastic. Oh! Oh, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Chess boxing. Chess boxing is a thing. Chess box. Wait, are you, are you serious right now? Like, chess boxing is no, a real, chess for real thing? chess boxing is an absolute for real thing. Let me tell you about chess boxing. I don't even care if this makes it into the cut of the episode, but Dave, I want to tell you about chess boxing. Uh, okay. No, absolutely. Okay, tell me chess in. boxing, here's how it works. It's like speed chess. So the way that it works is it's okay. like a timer. So you spend X amount of time playing chess, right? And then at the uh, the end of that time, you get up from the chessboard, you go into a boxing ring, and you fight. And you fight for X amount of time. What? And then when you're done what? fighting, you go back to the chessboard and you continue to play chess. And whoever either <laughs> checkmates or knocks out their <laughs> opponent first wins. And that is chess boxing. I totally forgot about okay. this. I read a thing about it ages ago. It's this weird thing where you have to be good at both physical activity and chess. It's this total, like, mind-blowing, like, two-pronged attack of competition. It's nuts. <laughs> That's super cool. And it is super it's cool. It's so cool that I cannot believe I, I legitimately cannot believe I forgot about it. It has nothing to do with the movie The Mystery of Chess Boxing. <laughs> Completely unrelated. <laughs> Although, a huge disappointment. The mis- it is. Well, okay, but I will tell you this about The Mystery of Chess Boxing. Mystery of Chess Boxing... I keep saying checks boxing, chess boxing. The mystery of chess boxing is where we see the introduction of the ghost-faced killer from which ghost-faced killer gets his name. Also, I don't know if you know this, but there was a prestige class in 3.5, I think, edition of Dungeons & Dragons that was called the ghost-faced killer. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so as amazing as the mystery of chess boxing is... Let's focus back up here. Okay, so Daigo does his, like, super cool, like, phantom attack. Kazu rewinds time. And then Rin does do, like, her... It's like a phoenix, I think. I'm not... They say... I don't remember what it's called. But it does, like, this crazy wind attack. And this one... The one that's, like, super obvious, because there's literally, like, a giant pink tornado that we can see. That's the one that gets the voiceover. Okay, and one thing I want to say about this giant pink tornado is that she's throwing this against the devil choir. And the devil choir, as I mentioned earlier, one of the five members of the devil choir is her friend from college. And this is the same quote-unquote friend. friend, But, you know, at least like an acquaintance. And this is the same deadly attack that she throws against the Kotopoteros, who are like the minions of a 6,000-year-old evil empire. (laughs) It's like either I can throw this against a monster with lipstick makeup 
or I can hit someone from my, like, Japanese Studies 201 class in the face. <laughs> also, there's something we've been seeing, and I, I did think about it in this now, but we've been seeing this, these, these flashes throughout the episode. It'll, like, flash and we will see, like, Rin's, bar- like, when she's getting attacked by the double choir, we'll see Rin's barrette. And then we'll be like, oh man, maybe the girl would like see the barrette and like come to her senses. And it doesn't happen. And then Rin's like, Megumi, no, stop. And we're like, oh, maybe Megumi will like defeat this thing and come to her senses. No. This happens like four or five different times. Megumi never breaks out of the spell. She just continues to attack Rin. It Megumi never is terrible at the coming only to her w- senses. Right. The only thing that stops them is the giant tornado attack from the Phoenix bird. And by the way, while we were watching this, I remember you said that you hoped that this was the only time we ever saw Megumi, and it was just this weird one-off thing. I do, yeah, no, I do. You are right. You are 100% right. We never see Megumi again. (laughs) Megumi is only here to become part of the (laughs) Devil Choir, and then does not later become Rin's friend. She is only (laughs) here. Like, Rin seems so invested. She's like, Megumi, no! Briggs, help! You can come to your senses. I think that's fantastic. We never see her. She again. was not there as like the stealth enemy. She is not able to come to her senses. She will never come back to be a friend. She is literally just a pawn to move this episode along, and I. It, it sort of makes me love Megumi a little more. <laughs> Well, maybe. I mean, honestly, if your first interaction with like a new friend, you're just like, hey, friend, let's go hang out and get coffee. And then that friend is attacked by the lipstick songstress and you get turned into part of the devil choir. I can understand where you'd be like, you know what? I'm going to go find somebody else to be friends with. I mean, we weren't that invested to begin with. There are other people in this class that I can buy a new hair barrette for. Right. This is not this is not a deep friendship. Okay, so, sorry, getting back. So they knock everybody out of the devil choir. It's them versus Lipstick Songstress. The other four Kaiden beasts combine into like a sort of chariot, I guess. Like a carrier chariot thing for Ryuseo. And this is like a thing, I think. Is this like, man, does this show up in more, more Sentai stuff? Because I remember it from... What do you call it? I remember it from Power Rangers. That there's like a carrier. It's like the giant brontosaurus or something, and they ride on it, and it does something for them that's never specified. Um, yeah, this is that is a different thing. This is actually more akin to if you remember very early in the Power Rangers. Um, at some point they formed into like this giant tank monstrosity. Oh, and this geez. is a lot more akin to that uh, because oh no, I do like the the mastodon's trunk becomes like a a tank barrel, like a cannon barrel or something, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot I do more similar that. to that. Um, because okay, in Jiu sure, Ranger, they had what was called um, uh, King Brachiodon, the carrier sword. Yeah, which I, I remember think that. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was Tyranno or Tyrannos. Um. There is actually a equivalent to that in Die Ranger, but this isn't it. It's an entirely separate thing okay. which we haven't yet been introduced to. Got it. Okay. So we do see they turn into the carrier and they execute this sort of like super attack against the lipstick, song- lipstick songstress. They defeat her. And then her last line 
Did you write amazing. this down? Because I did, in case you didn't. Uh, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. so as she is exploding, as many of these, almost all of these Goma Beasts tend to do at the end, she shouts this. <clears throat> this is the unfortunate fate of beauty. <laughs> Which, <laughs> it's so good. It's so good, because I feel like the Lipstick Songstress's assumption is that all of this happened because she was beautiful. Also, Lipstick Songstress assumed that she was beautiful instead of, like, a horrifying monster made out of lipstick. Right, as though, as though somehow, if only she had been, like, a horrifying, ugly monster, the Die Rangers would have let her alone. Like, this is the fate of beauty. It must oh, be destroyed no, my by superheroes. And then I was blown up. I'm sure they were just jealous. <laughs> right. So, Lipsic <laughs> Song just goes down. The Goma Commanders run. Scene change. We see Rin and Kaku on a bridge, just kind of like walking, and Kaku is giving her, I don't know, fatherly advice, maybe? Um, I would say that it's a pep talk, but it's actually, it's like the opposite of a pep talk. Because what he says, and I also have this written down. I took a lot of notes this time. Uh, Kaku says, by way of encouragement, quote, you're not a failure after all. Which just continues his, like, really strong streak of only encouraging via horrible abuse, whether that be physical or emotional. <laughs> Dude, Kaku is he's the worst mentor. Okay, so that's it for the episode. That's the end. Yeah, that's that's everything. They beat the lipstick songstress. Rin apparently isn't a complete failure, and they all go back. Uh, congratulations. I I guess, man. Okay, so, the end. Dave, what is your <laughs> highlight of the episode? Okay, highlight of the episode. I think it has to be, I think it's the lipstick songstress. Just, like, no holds barred. Like, I'm gonna rip your face off. <laughs> like, how do you want your face cut up? Just like this horrifying lines delivered by this weird monster in a children's show. Just a kick. Just it a grotesque it. monster obsessed with beauty. <laughs> right. It's sort of I feel like we there's a rabbit hole we can go down there, honestly. But yeah, I think the lipstick songstress is just relentless. That's that was my high point. My uh my high point is just how I, I just still do not know how on earth the other four die rangers found rin in the middle of a desert in china it was just such a beautiful sort of tv moment we just got the sense that the writers were like yeah we don't care anymore <laughs> we just put her here and here, just here we we're go. done we're Good out luck. loved it absolutely yeah. loved All it right, man. yeah this episode was a doozy okay so uh any low points man i can't I can't think of one. This yeah, is a killer episode. Honestly, it's uh, no low points. Low points have been put on the shelf for this episode. Only high points. Right. Okay, so I guess that's it, right? 
I can't wait for the next episode. Oh, I'm excited. It's be so good, Dave. I I have loved these past six episodes. I had a great time with the movie. The next three episodes, I love maybe more than any of the other episodes for the rest of the series. Maybe, maybe oh, not. I don't know. I mean, I'm excited to see them. Um, and you're gonna find out why next week. But for now. That is going to do it for another episode of Live and Let Die, Ranger. Before right. we finish up, I just want to remind everybody listening, you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. And if you want to get any updates on future episodes, or if you want to check out the things we mentioned on the show, or you just want to talk to us, uh, we are at Bros at Twitter. Uh, once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we will see you next week. Yeah. Yeah.